Player one is kissy, and player two is tacky. Oh, biting my tongue, making trying try not to I make know. a Weird Al reference. It is the 90s, and there is time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. Walking down the street. Oh, or rock you like a <laughs> One of my favorite episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, it was the Moon and Knights got together like all of the villains from the episodes in the series up to that point. And uh, the, the Moon and Knight was like, now when we call your name, we want you to say here as in, here I am, rock you like a hurricane. Do as the scorpions before you. <laughs> God, mm-hmm. I love that. I miss that show. I'm, it's coming back, but I don't know what I think about that. So, anyway, anyway. Beavis and Butthead's coming back. We already talked about that, though. Oh, dude, yeah. Speaking of which, my wife found out that uh, on uh, the Pluto channel, uh, you can get it on Roku. I love Pluto. On that app, there is a All Iron Chef channel. So we were watching yes, that today, and, and I just totally forgot that there is one of the voices they have sounds just like Butthead. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. This salt is not just plain salt. It carries the aroma of the crab. Yeah, I, lo- I love Pluto.tv. They have a an all-mystery science theater channel, and they have an mm. all-riff tracks channel. And well, riff tracks has its riff- own Roku channel, and it's very that, handy. That they do, too. Very handy. And uh, Oh, by the way, we haven't oh. introduced ourselves. <laughs> of course not. We're a minute and 44 into the, into the podcast, and we haven't yep. told people what podcast this is. Hi, welcome to the USGS Topo Map uh, Quad by Quad podcast. This is uh, Jimmy G. And uh, uh, sorry, this is Pie Factory Podcast. Ah, sorry. crap. I got my wrong notes here, so I, it's, I'm going to be stumbling this episode. I apologize. This is Sean, by the way. So yeah, if no, this we're is not pie- doing the Durango, Colorado uh, quad today. Shark. Um, so I guess this would be episode 129 of uh, Pie Factory Podcast, right? Uh, you would be correct in that assumption. Oh, would I be? Yes, you would. Huh. So what have uh, you been up to in the past uh, days, weeks? Well, I, for the first time in a long time, I've actually saw two movies. Really? In the theater. Uh, first of all, I saw the movie Studio 666. Hmm. Oh, I, w- I was thinking of seeing that. Which is the Foo Fighters movie. They it's, fight Foo. They fight Foo. Which It's extremely funny extremely gory the only thing i didn't like about the movie is the ending and it could probably have been shaved down a few minutes hmm. but uh it's it's hilarious uh <laughs> there's a great celebrity cameo in the film that is worth the price of admission alone i'm not going to tell you who it is but uh let's just say at one point dave Grohl is looking for inspiration so he sits down to his keyboard and he starts singing a song and uh I'm not going to spoil anymore because it's a great scene. Okay. But, oh gosh, that movie was great. One other thing, I wish there was more uh, deaths via musical instrument in the movie. There's like only two, Hmm. but uh, it was still pretty good. John Carpenter uh, helped with the the soundtrack, and Uh, uh, he also has a bit role in the film as well. Wait, John Carpenter, the guy who was uh, the first winner of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? John Carpenter, the movie director who directed The Thing, Halloween, Assault on Precinct 13, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh. um, That John Carpenter. Hmm. Yeah. So he lent his hand to it. So uh, it's a fun, fun movie. And then I saw The Batman. 
for everybody who didn't who was uh, questioning whether Robert Pattinson was a good Batman, let me assu- assuage assuage your worries. Uh, hmm. He is excellent as Batman. Really, and uh, the movie, I think it's actually better than The Dark Knight, and I think The Dark Knight was the best Batman movie. Oh, that's I don't the think one I absolutely refuse to watch. What's that? I refuse to watch The Dark Knight. Why is that? I thought I mentioned it on this podcast you before. May have. No, the reason is because where did they shoot it? Chicago. Chicago. And specifically, they were shooting it downtown, and they didn't oh. have anything mm-hmm. blocked off. So here I am on my lunch break trying to get to, I don't remember where I was going. I was just trying to get there, and I didn't realize that they had the set right there because there was no signage or no blockades. There was just oh, suddenly right. a, a street just with like, and and there was nothing whatsoever. And I'm trying to cross the street and somebody with a bullhorn and a British accent's yelling at me, you're not in the scene. Get out of here. Screw you, buddy. I'm trying to go have lunch. British accent. Yeah. It was probably, yeah. uh, who was the director? Christopher Nolan. Probably. Who was I British, but who lived most of his life in Chicago. It's like, what the hell's going on here? They're like, yeah, they're filming that Batman movie. I was like, oh, screw it. I'm not watching it. In fact, I have not seen the last Batman movie I saw was the 1989 one. Really? And I, I just don't want to see any of the other ones simply because you can't top that. You cannot top a movie with Jack Nicholson as the Joker. It's that it's done. It's over. Uh, oh, God. What the hell was the actor's name that played the Joker? Heath Ledger? Yeah was awesome as the Joker in uh, The Dark Knight, and he deserved the Oscar award. Well, that and I really don't care for superhero movies. I generally don't either, but I have a, a soft spot for Batman. Except Superman and Superman 2. Those were really good. And then... Um, Cartoony, but that might Joaquin have been Phoenix why. was amazing in Joker, and in the movie Joker, and um, he, deserved, he, got, he deserved the Academy Award for that. The movie Joker is really more of a character study of somebody suffering from... Uh, deep mental illness and the talk show scene in that movie will haunt you for a long time and Mm. those who have seen the movie know exactly why i say that it that scene stayed with me and um that was a that was a great movie might be a little slow but um Mm. joaquin phoenix like just chewed well i wouldn't say he chewed up the scenery but he was he was he was amazing in that so but yeah those are the two movies i've seen and um Man, the main villain in the in the Batman is the Riddler, which I think was a good choice because I think he was one of the most underused villains in the movies. He only got one movie; even Two Face got two movies. And um, unlike other Batman movies, and I'm looking at you, Batman Forever, which I like for what it was. This Riddler actually has riddles, and uh, Batman goes back to this comic book form of actually being a detective and not a crime fighter. Hmm. So he has to unscramble uh, the, the, the Riddler's clues as to what's next in, the, in his murderous uh, rampage in Gotham City. And it has an interesting usage of uh, social media in the film. And it actually explains something that I've always wondered about these villains in these superhero movies. Like, where the hell do they get all of their, uh, their henchmen from? How do they get their henchmen? And this movie uses social media to explain that Hmm. and it's actually i think really cleverly done and quite believable actually so that was uh yeah go see go see both of them uh i think uh studio 666 is now on video on demand but uh 
Last movie I saw in the theater was Echo in the Canyon, and I didn't like it. So I never even heard of that one. Don't. Okay. It's a documentary put out by Jacob Dylan, and he did not get it, do a good job of it. Ah. But I'm trying to remember what the last movie I saw in the theater was before these two, but I can't even think about it. I can't think, even think of it. It's been that long. Is there's just been nothing to entice me. Oh, yeah. No Time to Die. That was the, the last one I'd seen before. It. And I saw that uh, at a drive-in. Huh. So we got, we got a drive-in. It's about an hour northwest of where I live in, uh, in the hmm. town of Earlville. And, uh, Earlville? Earlville. And the food at the uh, concession stand was really good. The burgers were amazing. Good Lord, Earlville. That, God, that's... That's west. Oh, the drive-in movie theater in West Chicago is back, from what I understand. Oh, I didn't know there was one. There's one in West Chicago, and they closed down because the guy who owned the land of drive-in was on, wanted to turn it into a strip mall. But uh, I guess uh, he renewed the lease for the drive-in movie theater. Hmm. So I have not been to that one, and I'm going to try to get up there this year. Good Lord, Earlville is really in the middle of freaking nowhere. It is. Wow. But, I hey. can't believe you can drive to Chicago from there within a day. Well. Or can you? For all I know, the speed limit might be five miles an hour there, so. Well, I mean, once you hit, like, Yorkville, it's, like, pretty much all maybe five miles an hour into the city from there. Oh, boy. So, as far as what games I've been playing. Oh, do tell. I've been playing a stupid game on my phone called Egg Incorporated. And uh, hmm. it's like one of those idle, tappy, phone-destroying type games. And I've been playing it for a month, and I haven't decided if I like it or I hate it. Hmm. It's like one of those games where, uh, while you don't have to pay to win, you know, it's worth your while to pay to win. So I don't know if I'm going to leave it on my phone or not. But I have the other game I've been playing. I've been playing a lot, again, on my collector vision. I've been delving into that quite a bit lately. And... Uh, it's uh, called Ra, Ro, Robbie, Robbie Bomb, I think it's called, which is basically a Bomberman clone. I may have talked about it oh, before. Okay. And um, I enjoy it. I, a couple years ago at New Year's, I brought the Phoenix with a TV over to a friend's house for New Year's Eve. Yeah. And uh, myself and our mutual friend Bob was playing, uh, playing it two players simultaneously. And that's a fun two-player game. But that's about all I've been doing and playing. Um been trying to get out on my bicycle more. I've got yep. 16 miles under my belt so far this year, and I'm hoping to double that Ooh. tomorrow. Tomorrow Went being on a 17 Sun- mile round trip ride last weekend. Nice. Try so, again tomorrow. The only thing is the I'm going to be doing a ride up in Wakanda, which is near the Wisconsin border, and uh, yeah. there are hills up there which aren't really down here. As I've said before, out here it's flat. But the few hills we do have are major pains in the ass. So mm. there's one I swear has got to be a 15% grade. And when I was in better shape, I actually was able to ride my bike up that. You know, that was a long time ago. Uh, so that's that's all that's been up with me. How about you? I'm trying to think of what has been up with me and really not a heck of a lot since we last uh, did this particular podcast. I haven't been doing much gaming other than... Uh, the games we're about to talk about for this episode, of course. Oh, uh, yep, yep. yeah, not, not a heck of a lot. Um, got a new turntable that uh, I've been futzing with for the past few days. And you got two yeah, turntables in your daddy's home. Actually, I do have two, technically two turntables because I still have the, actually, no, three because I still have the one that I had back in the 90s that my wife doesn't like because sometimes when it plays at 33, it slips into 45. Ah. Apparently she doesn't like when that happens, so oh well. 
I could make but, a joke, but I'm not going to. No, you're not going to. No, I'm not. And it's because it's probably one you've already made like eight times. No, actually, it was would have been an original joke, but oh, okay. I don't would want it a have whole, truly I, been original, or would it I don't have been want a whole Steve Dahl Gary Meyer thing going. Oh, here? good grief! Especially Steve Dahl, but yeah, that's it. I haven't. Yeah, I just been. Actually, I, I have been working on the Pie Factory podcast uh, redesign on the website. I got some new functionality going that I'm tweaking, and hopefully that'll be up soon. The reason I'm doing that is because I decided I'm not going to hold myself to a deadline on, say, autobiography of a schnook and other stuff that I do, because it's because of that that I don't have time to do the other stuff I want to do. So I figured, mm-hmm. hmm, I'll take my time, and I'll work on other stuff I want to do. So hopefully the Pie Factory podcast website will be uh, up before too long. The current one is up and working and everything, but the uh, where it tells you what episode it is, it keeps getting off somehow. But it's a lot easier just to do a new site than to figure out why it's off. So mm-hmm. yeah. But other than that, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much been my life. Uh, trying to remember if I made an arcade trip since the last time we recorded. I was going to try to go, but I couldn't. Yeah. I thought you had, actually. Because I don't remember if it was before or after we recorded. I, I was when I was at uh, Underground Retrocade last. Because mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to make it out there during the month of March. And I am irked about that. But what are you going to do? Not go? Not go, I guess. I'll be yeah. there April 2nd. Oh, well. April 2nd. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's the 2nd yeah, that, of April. 2nd of April. Yeah, okay. But as of right now, I'm recording episode 129 with uh, as one of the co-hosts of Pie Factory Podcast, and I'm having a Guinness, partly to celebrate St. Patrick's Day mellowly, a couple of days late. Mm-hmm. And also because my wife bought some Guinness because she wants to make some- uh, uh, World records? No. Oh. Corned beef. Mm. And, get, and the, the recipe recommended Guinness. I was like, ooh, Guinness. I like Guinness. She said, yeah, that's for the corned beef. You can have one. <laughs> we did our corned beef for- uh... St. Patrick's Day, and as ever, and which is anyone, not a thing, by the way. No, it's uh, it's corn. It's because the corned beef on St. Patrick's Day is an American tradition, uh, mainly because, uh, from what I understand, Irish immigrants to the United States were just as despised as uh, Jewish uh, immigrants to the United States, and so they found both groups found themselves in the same themselves? neighborhoods in like New York. Found themselves in uh, the same neighborhoods in New York City, and uh, the uh, Irish people uh, adopted corned beef because, uh, from the Jewish delicatessens because it uh, reminded them a lot of the bacon they used to get back in uh, Ireland, and uh, yeah. the Jew- the Irish Americans adopted it. And that's that's what a way I understand it. I could be wrong on that. It's something like that, because uh, on a WGN here in Chicago, there is a, a reporter who is an Irish immigrant, and she was talking about St. Patrick's Day and what basically we get wrong over here, which is pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. She mentioned something about that. I think it was something like how their thing is, like you said, the bacon, but when they're coming over to America on the boat, the bacon doesn't last. The corned beef does. So that's what they would take. I, I, I just love a good corned beef. Uh, we had corned oh, yeah. beef sandwiches oh, for the leftovers today. Have you ever been to Manny's Delicatessen in Chicago? I have not. You should you should go there sometime. Next time you're in the city and you're down like say in the South Loop area, go there. They have a, they have a parking lot and, and a free valet parking and stuff. But they have really good corned beef sandwiches. And there was one time that uh, my wife and I went 
and I asked for a corned beef sandwich. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, you want pastrami on that? I said, no, thanks, just corned beef. He said, no, I'm telling you, you want pastrami on that. And he handed me a piece of pastrami. He said, try this. I love pastrami. And I tried it, and I was like, oh, yes, I do want pastrami on that. So, yeah, yeah get a corned beef and pastrami sandwich. Oh, it's yeah, one of those places it. where they pile it like eight miles high. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it is, it's really good. It's yeah, a good, honest place to go. Pastrami. I love me some pastrami. I found out that the uh, Lindy Gerties in uh, Morris closed the other day. Oh, that's a shame. Never heard of it. I guess it's a Chicago area minor chain. It's a chili slash ice cream ah. joint. And uh, Perfect together. I would go. I hadn't been there in a long time, but I loved it. Now, could you get chili and ice cream together? Uh, I guess. Why not? Mm. Well, it's too late to find out now. Uh, I guess so. Shucks. Shucks. I'll get you some corn. Ooh. So there we are. That's, yeah. uh, yeah. So we got any news, updates, whatever? Um, I have a, uh, addendum. You have an addendum? Yeah. Yeah. So Hyde can put the thing here. <laughs> yeah. When we were talking about Three Stooges and Brides is Brides last episode, there was one thing that I, for, a couple of things I forgot to mention and, uh, most of them I'm going to forget again because I didn't write them down. But one thing I do remember that I forgot to mention, there's a little Qbert shout out in the game Three Stooges. Oh. In one of the rooms on the wall, there's a drawing of the Qbert Pyramid. Oh. Ow. It doesn't have any characters on it, but you know it's kind of a call out to that. Uh-huh. So, How about you there, Jimmy G? Uh, I got nothing. You got nothing? I got nothing. All right. Did we get oh, any? Other than those, there's... Oh. There is uh, one thing, we were talking about this on the show, or before the show. A guy is actually, uh, on uh, Atari Age, is actually working on porting the Kroll Arcade Ah, game to the 7800. So, it might not ever get released, it might get released, I don't know. This is a guy's, like, first big programming thing he's ever done, and since it's a hobby, you never know what it'll take. But uh, what very little has done so far is really looking really good, and... uh, yeah, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping that this gets finished because I would love to play it because everyone knows how much I like that game. There's a lot going on in the 7800 homebrew end. The same guy also uh, is doing some proof of concept on Altered Beast yeah, for the 7800, yeah. and it looks pretty good so far. I mean, again, there's not much being done. It's mostly artwork uh, so far, but it uh, looks really good. There's a Popeye that's, about, that's just about done, if not mm-hmm. per, 100% done. Somebody's working on Arkanoid. Mm-hmm. I think Arkanoid's been being worked on by several people for a while, though. Yeah, well, yeah. And, uh, oh, I played that at uh, Retrocade last time I went. In fact, the, the Arkanoid cabinet has both Arkanoid and Arkanoid 2 in it. Arkanoid 2 so the Revenge around there. Yep, yep. Great name. And, yeah, that so, uh, oh, dude, yeah. Underground Retrocade, they have a CD jukebox now with something oh. like 5,000 songs in it. Oh, wow. Mostly from the 80s, so oh, very well, fitting, course. very fitting. It's like the 80s, the Beatles, a little smattering of Chicago, and uh, pretty much the entire released Weird Al Yankovic catalog, if not the entire Weird Al Yankovic released catalog. So uh, you have to go to the uh, second floor to use it. It's uh, in the uh, post-crash floor. So that was uh, my last several weeks, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think Atari Age, I think they now have, what, six 7,800 homebrews that they are pre-ordering now, but they're not yet Something shipping. Like 
Oh, yeah. And there's also a venture for the 7800 that is now out. I have a copy oh. and I haven't played it yet. So, yeah. It's too bad there isn't a podcast I could like tell people about these games. I know, right? Yeah. There That's should just be one. weird. There should yeah. be. And somebody should host it and not be lazy about it. And I think it should be called something like maybe the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast. I think that name just has a you know real good uh, ring to it. It's very informative, too. It tells you what it's about. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, so, uh, and you know what? I think you would be perfect for that. God, just what I need. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Never mind. All right. With all of that, all, with of, all that. of that having been said, <laughs> there's a YouTube channel I watch called the Illuminati, N A U G H T I. Of course, and, you would watch something called that. And, uh, she basically like goes and like talks about scams and, She's huge into exposing multi-level marketing or pyramid schemes and stuff like that. But at the end of every episode, she goes, well, but with all that having been said, and it's like at the end of every episode, and I'm like, please get a different sign off. I don't know. But, so with all that having been uh, spoken, uh-huh. I think maybe you should start talking. To, oh, wait. No, 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 no. We, before we talk about games, no. don't we have an, un, oh, no. Are we doing the underwriter now or are we doing it later? Uh, when did they say they want it dropped in? I don't remember. Huh. We can always drop it in twice if necessary. Yeah, sure. So why don't we do that? Let's uh, drop in our underwriter here now. Yeah, we'll be back after these fine words. If your rugs or wall-to-wall carpeting are stained or faded, have them dyed by Bouchelle. We'll dye wall-to-wall carpeting right in your home. Rugs in our plant. 24 colors to choose from, and you can charge it. So instead of buying new rugs or carpeting, dye them a fresh new color. Call Bouchelle, the cleaning people. Hudson 32700. Wow, those were some fine words indeed. Oh, man, yeah. Now I'm going to so, have that song in my head all day. Oh, yes, yes. So, uh, again, I'm not doing a good job of selling this. <laughs> <laughs> I am, like, really ruining gags lately, ain't I? I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, so, 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 let's uh, talk about a game here. Okay. Um, you want to talk about game number one or game number two? Let's go with uh, the game that actually has a two in the title. So game number one will be game number two. That sounds like and a that thing. Game, that game is Dig Dug 2, 1985, Namco. Ah, oh, and by the two. way, uh, before we begin, I uh, got a tweet from uh, Retro uh, Game Club Podcast. And hey, Retro like, Game Club Podcast. And they're just like, we're glad that you're talking about Dig Dug 2 because we've banned it from our show. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, God, I love them, guys. Oh, man. So, man, I have a feeling I'm going to cause some controversy here. Uh-oh. I can say no more. So, in Dig Dug 2, the player controls Taizo Hori, otherwise known as Dig Dug, and he's found himself trapped on a series of islands. The goal is to defeat the Pukas and Figars, as in the first Dig Dug, by either blowing them up with the pump, as in the original game, or or by causing part of the island to collapse. Wait, wait a minute, J- uh, Jim. Yes. Are you telling me that if I'm going to play Dig Dug Two, I might be pumping the monster? Yes, you might be. Oh goodness. You might also be collapsing the monster. <sighs> uh, no, you wouldn't collapse the monster. You collapse the island. Mm-hmm. You could be crushing the monster, but. Uh, Yes, so uh, getting the part of the island to collapse is done by creating fault lines on the island, and if the fault lines on the island connect the edges of the island, that part of the island will collapse. And how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. How do you do that? How do you do that? How did you well, know I was going to ask? I'm s- Get out of my head, man. I have ESPN or something. 
Oh, man. How you do that is there's like, I guess they're called, uh, I don't know, posts, but they look like little dots on the island. You'll know what I'm talking yeah. about if you see the game. I know and exactly you jackhammer what you're talking it. about. You face the direction you want to jackhammer, you hit the jackhammer button, and it'll create the fault in that direction. Again, if they connect the shorelines, it'll cause that part of the island to collapse. You got to be careful, though, because <sighs> Dig Dug can walk off the island accidentally. <gasps> and if you find yourself on the edge of the island after when uh, it's uh, collapsing, Dig Dug will, like, I love the little animation of uh, Dig Dug, like, losing his balance <laughs> yep. before he falls off. But uh, if you if he does that little dance, just push the joystick toward the island. And uh, you'll uh, you'll regain your balance. So. Oh, that's nice. Now the enemies cannot cross the fault lines unless they turn into a ghost, like you know they do in the original Dig Dug. And when Figar breathes his fire, the fire can cross the fault lines, so you're not totally safe from the fires. Then, if uh, Taizo collapses three pieces of the island, a bonus item will appear on the screen somewhere, and I don't have a list of the bonus items because I could not find one, and I didn't ah. didn't go through the game with cheats to find out. He didn't watch a YouTube video. Or, or watch a YouTube video. Ah. Now, the player dies by getting touched by an enemy, which, uh, that was a really good uh, a TV show on CBS, Touched by an Enemy. That was a yeah. really nice one. I'm trying to remember who starred in that, but uh, yeah. So you, you die by getting touched by an enemy, by getting hit by the fire, or by fastling off the island. That's how I have it spelled here. I'm pretty sure I meant falling, but we'll say fastling <laughs> for now. And uh, that's the basics of the gameplay. I mean, you, again, you got the you know, the jackhammer and the pump as in the original game, but there is an Easter egg in the game. Oh, do tell. And it works only on the new version of the ROM. Uh, There are two ROMs. There's an old one and there's a new one. Imagine that. So, yeah, imagine that. So to get this, uh, what you do is you enter the service mode and in the sound select, you select sound 1B. Then you hit the service switch. Then you do this. You press down on the joystick. You push down twice, then right then left twice, then down twice, left three times, and up twice. Then you hit the service switch again. Music will play, and it'll say, Dig Dug 2, copyright 1985, Namco Limited. That will actually be slowly drawn on the screen. Hmm. Now, ports. There's only one port for the classic consoles, and that was on the NES in the United States. The original Dig Dug was never ported to the NES in the U.S. It was only ported to the Famicom in Japan for some reason. Hmm. You think that if they released it there, a game that was extremely popular in the United States that was ported to the console in Japan, you think it would have been ported to the U.S., but no, it wasn't. Yeah, really? This huh. uh, Dig Dug 2, the sequel, it actually has a, a subtitle. I can't remember what it was, but uh, like Dig Dug 2, Trapped in Paradise or something like that. Trouble in Paradise, I think it is. But you'd think they would have ported Dig Dug to the NES since it was ported to the Famicom. I think most people only know this game from the port to the NES. I think most people don't even realize that was an arcade game. From what I've been able to ascertain, one of my favorite words, only about 400 cabinets uh, of this game were made. Hmm. So... Do you know if there were a lot that were just converted from from something else? That I do not know. Ah. I think Galloping Ghost has this game. They do, they do. They do, okay. I have never actually seen it in there, but I haven't really been on the lookout for it either. I've seen it in there. I, I have. There's just I just, so many games over there, it's hard to yeah. find some sometimes. Oh, yeah. I always thought it'd be really cool if there was a way they could have a directory as to where a game is, but I, I understand it'd be hard to keep track of that because they, they move, they move them all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, that would be uh, hard to Usually take. whoever's working there can kind of point you in the general direction at least. So That's true. Most of the people working the counter kind of were there when they moved the stuff around, so they might know. Yeah. But even with all the games there, I'm surprised they know as much as they do. <laughs> so, but um, and that is basically it for uh, Dig Dug 2. The graphics are obviously better than uh, the original Dig Dug. Oh, yeah. There's one thing I can't get over, though. In the original Dig Dug, what color was Dig Dug's face? I don't know. I really don't know. It was know. blue. Okay. His face was blue. He had a white outfit. His face was blue. In this one, his face is uh, flesh tone. Like what kind of flesh tone? Like, uh, like African-American, uh, Asian? White guy flesh tone. Oh, white guy? Okay. Yeah. And uh, that kind of threw me off a little bit. I'm like, he he just didn't look right with the with the white guy flesh tone. Should have been blue like in the original Dig Dug. So basically the original Dig Dug was a Smurf? Now that you mention it, he kind of did look like a Smurf a little bit. <laughs> I never even thought about that. We'll have to go back and edit that episode. Huh. We'll do the uh, Dig Dug episode special edition where we'll take all of the guns out and replace them with flashlights. Huh. So that's really basically how you play the game. I didn't yeah. find much on the scoring. I did play in one session uh, that I played. I lucked out and killed all of the enemies uh, by uh, collapsing part of the island in one go. And that's what uh, you want, right? That's what you want. It gets a lot harder later in the game because of the way that the uh, the pegs or the the drill spots are laid out. But um, the more that you can get off the, obviously the, whoa, talk about pumping monster. Uh, any rate, the more that you can uh, kill by collapsing the island at one time, the higher your score. I think I got like 10,000 points for dropping them all at once. And um, I do like that it's a lot, it's a little easier to get a lot more um, enemies killed like that than it was with the boulder in uh, in the original Dig Dug. But uh, yeah, that's the game. So indeed, it is. So whoa, so Sean. Yeah. What say ye? Well, here's where things are going to get controversial with me. Okay. I really, really, really like Dig Dug too. In fact, I like it a lot more than the original Dig Dug, to be quite honest. Okay. Because for one thing, I know this is sacrilege, and if No Swear Gamer is listening right now, he's going to never want to speak to me again. Well, assuming he does want to speak to me again in the first place. (laughs) Uh, But between, say, Mr. Do and Dig Dug, I much prefer Mr. Do. That's where one place you and I uh, disagree, but... I probably disagree with most of the world on that. And one thing that I like about Mr. Do that I prefer about it over Dig Dug is the animation is much smoother. Mm-hmm. Now, Dig Dug 2, I love the animation on it. It's so nice. It's really, I mean, yeah, it's considerably newer mm-hmm. than Dig Dug. So, of course, they have better technology that they could work with. So You're talking about the animation, like I had mentioned previously, the little animation he does when he's like losing his balance when he's standing on the edge of the well, island. That, that's a that's a nice touch. I love that. That is very cute. I'm just talking about in general. Like it's a lot a lot less choppy, I think. It's much more smooth. Yeah, it could be it's different hardware too though. And you can kind of see, and this is gonna sound weird, but you can kind of see how different elements from different Namco games kind of evolved into what became Tinkle Pit, believe it or not. Because there is a yeah, little bit of that vibe of, in here. Yeah, there is a little bit of that vibe in this, isn't there? Yeah, especially like drawing the line around with the, uh, whatever we're calling it, the posts, I guess, to uh, mm-hmm. to make parts of the island collapse. You, you know what the, uh, what game this kind of remind me of a little bit? Yeah. 
do run run. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. There's a do run run vibe in this game. Yeah. That's another thing right there. But it just seems to me that it's more, and and also kind of like the almost near 3D perspective of it helps uh-huh. too. And it just had a really good feel for it with me. Uh, I'm just going to jump right in and give it a rating. Okay. And uh, for those of you who've never listened to us before and don't know about our rating system, we rate games on a scale of one through five continues. Inclusive. Uh, inclusive, of course. And my rating is four continues. Okay. Almost perfect for me. And um, yeah, and the first time I ever played this uh, Dick Dug 2, it had to have been Galloping Ghost because I know I've played the arcade game before, but I'm pretty dang sure that aside from MAME, the only place I ever played it was the Ghost. And I don't really remember much from that experience other than, okay, I, I, I love this game, but I can see why Dick Dug fans would not. This game is to Dig Dug what Super Pac-Man was to Pac-Man. It goes back to yeah. Namco's thing where they wanted to get the sequel games to be a lot more different than the original. Yes. So that's, you know, they were ticked off about Ms. Pac-Man and some of the stuff that Midway was doing when they had their own in the pipeline. And this follows that philosophy. Yeah. Another game is the sequel to Mappy, which I believe is Hopping Mappy, which. That's correct. Yeah. I don't like that game. Really? Uh, No, don't. But uh, I love Mappy. Don't like Hopping Mappy. But this, I think, works better as a, uh, follow up to its original game than super pac-man does and i love super pac-man don't get me wrong but i think this one kept more of the spirit of the original game than i think super pac-man did if if you follow me on that follow you huh follow you will you follow me i don't think genesis did that one in concert but um i was originally gonna rate this a three but uh after the few times i played it again tonight i'm like yeah i gotta rate this a four i think this game does enough to differentiate itself from Dig Dug, but it leaves enough in there to keep the Dig Dug vibe going. Yeah. This would be a great game, even if it didn't have the Dig Dug characters attached to it. That's something else I like about this game is they didn't um, add new more characters. They just kept the original characters. And I think that was a wise move. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a cheerful little game. I love the uh, the way that the uh, the music and the sounds are in this game over Dig Dug. Yeah. I like the end of round music. It starts out the same as Dig Dug. But then it adds the da da like like in harmony and it's really <laughs> it's really uh very pleasing to the ear, I think. And um yeah, I I like this game. A go-to? No. Maybe not a go-to, but uh I do sure, know next sure. time I go to uh, Galloping Ghost, I am going to go uh, play it even because I've never played the actual cabinet before. Really? But, okay. Uh, yeah, so um I'm surprised that I really like this game as much as I do. I'm surprised you like it as much as you do, too. I think this this game might be the biggest surprise, I think, hmm. out of any other game we, we've talked about as far as how much we liked it, because the game doesn't have a great reputation from what I've seen online. So I think I would you know, go into it with lower expectations, because, again, I mean, everybody saw it, the NES port of this game, and they're like, at least people from my generation, which Gen X was the original NES too, I guess. Like, what is this game? Never heard of it, and it couldn't have done very well on the NES. But uh, but then you finally give it a chance years later, like, what the heck was I missing? So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think, uh, yeah, give this one a spin. I think uh, you might like it. I totally agree with you. Oh, by the way, a fun fact for you and everybody else. Oh. Retro Game Club podcast apparently is not the only entity that is banning Dig Dug 2. Oh? 
because you will not find any kind of high score entry for it on Twin Galaxies. No real, no. Except under MAME. Hmm. That could be just a lack of cabinets. It, yeah, it very well could be. But uh, Martin Bedard does have the Twin Galaxies record at a million exactly. And I'm not going to foist the uh, the old joke on that. Sure. Thank you for doing that, uh, for not doing that. Now, interestingly, I don't know if this is the case. Uh, I never noticed it before whenever I saw MAME scores on TG. But hmm. for the Dig Dug 2 entry under MAME, every single one of their entries is dated August 31st, 2006. So I don't I don't know what that means, but however, Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-E, does have a high score of 285,900 listed, and that was also performed by Martin Bedard, and that was uh, set on August 11th, 2019. My score, I, I don't know. I don't remember how well I did on uh, the MAME version or when I played it at the Ghost, whenever it was when I did that. All I know is it wasn't anywhere near either of those scores, but I had fun. I had a lot of fun. One thing I did notice about this game is if you get like three or four rounds into it, the island spells out an N and then an A oh. and then an oh. M and a C and an O. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of neat. There's like some 70 some levels in this game from what I understand, mm. but I didn't, uh, I didn't put the cheats on on this one either. Oh, I did say that already, didn't I? I don't know. I didn't. I did on the other game we talked about, though, because I wanted to see what happens if you clear a level. Hmm. So, yes, very surprising, uh, surprisingly good game, I think. Uh, Yeah, good game. I agree, and I don't know if I'm surprised or if I'm supposed to be surprised, but yeah, I I, I do indeed. As I said, my expectations were not that high for this because of, you know, seeing it on the NES and... At the time, I worked at the Toys R Us in Joliet, at the uh, out front, the Louis Joliet Mall, and I was the yeah. guy that got grabbed the video games out of the coop, as we called it. That's right. And uh, I never saw anybody buy this game. Huh. So imagine my shock when years ago I saw this game in Mame and played it and uh, kind of enjoyed it. Shocked, you tells me. Shocked, I tell you. And there's no monkeys in the game to shock. Well, oh well. So I guess I'll just be a one on the island. All right, with that, shall we move on? Yeah, I guess we shall. And I guess it'll be my turn to do a good deal of the talking. And as I do, now, if what I understand is correct, when Hyde does his post-production on these episodes, whoever isn't talking, he basically, like, mutes the sound for optimal sound. I think, I think, I think that's what he told me. Okay. He's going to have his uh, work cut out for him uh, because uh, we, my wife and I got a notification from one of our neighbors downstairs that they're going to be doing a big party tonight, and, and they're basically apologizing for the noise in advance. Uh-huh. And I think it's the apartment right below us. Uh, I don't hear anything right now, but things could get interesting anytime, so people might be hearing some partying behind me. But anywho, the game, the game. ladies and gentlemen, yes. including listeners and my co-host Jimmy G., Oh. The game about which I will be speaking is Mr. Driller, which was released in October of 1999 by Namco. This is not the latest game that we've covered in this show, uh, but it is up there. And it's, uh, I think, the second game we've talked about that was released after I got married. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, is that late? Uh, yeah, that late. Oh, uh, wow. Executive producer was Masaya Nakamura 
who also worked on the Xevious series of games, by the way. Oh, nice. And uh, the game Mr. Driller was created by Yasuhito Nagaoka and Hideo Yoshizawa. Say that ten times fast. Now, if you were to approach at least an American cabinet of Mr. Driller, you'll find a left-handed four-way joystick and one button. Uh, I don't know how it is on other arcade cabinets, but... uh, The way you play Mr. Driller, the gameplay is that you control a character whose name is Susumo Hori, which uh, is Mr. Driller's real name, apparently. And by the way, Susumu Hori translates into English as carving forward. Did you know that, Jimmy G? I did not know that. You did not? Yeah, the carving part is Hori. So... Uh, Anyway, what do you do with Susumu Hori? Susumu. You shut up. (laughs) <laughs> you knew that was going to come up. I man, it's too bad we don't do this in person, so I couldn't just strangle you. But I'll strangle anywho. myself. All right, thank you. Okay, there well, we go. Basically, Susumu Hori must well drill his way down a series of uh, wells by popping brightly colored blocks. That's what the button is for. You hit the button, and it activates the drill. Just one tap, the block is popped. One drill, one pop. You go as far down the well as humanly possible. You know, once you pop, you can't stop. Exactly. Now, on the left side of the screen, that takes up about two-thirds of the left side of the screen, by the way, is the actual well with all these blocks and with uh, Mr. Driller. On the right side, you have a lot of stats. The depth, which, by the way, in the North American version is measured in feet, and in the Japanese version, it's measured in meters. Uh, It has your score and uh, a circle graph representing your air, and kind of a line graph telling you what level you're at. Uh, How do levels go? I really haven't been able to ascertain this, but the way this game works, if you're playing the American version, you're going through a series of screens that are split up into 500 levels. Or or I shouldn't say 500 levels. 500 uh, 500 feet. Feet, levels. Levels of 500 feet. And every block going down is five feet. So oh. every time you destroy a block under you, you drop down five feet. And uh, I did not realize that. I should you have. Because, there's a, because there is a meter on the side that shows you how far down you are. Yeah. On the Japanese version, every step down is a meter. But from what I could tell, the first two groups of 500 on the American version is one level. And uh, I think it goes up to 10 levels. And I think the level counter goes up a little bit faster the further you are in the game. Also, what happens faster the further you are into the game is your air depletion. You actually have to replenish your air. It runs out very slowly at first, but as you progress, it gets faster and faster. How do you replenish your air? Well, there are air pellets scattered throughout the well, and you got to make your way over to them and get the air pellets. And while you're doing that, you got to make sure that no blocks land on top of you. If a block lands on top of you, you die. You lose a life. The other way you lose a life is run out of air. And each air pellet will replenish 20% of your air. That is 20% of the maximum capacity of your air. Like, for example, if you have 46% air left, you grab a pill, you'll be boosted up to 66%. So it's not 20% of 46, it's 20% of 100. So there, just wanted to clarify that. So uh, yeah, the math doesn't get that complicated. 
Also scattered throughout the well are wooden X blocks. Those are a little bit more tricky. You can drill those away, but number one, it takes four pops to get rid of an X block, and you use up 20% energy to do that. Basically, don't drill one of those things away unless you absolutely have to. Like, say, you right under you is an X block, and you can't climb your way to somewhere where there isn't an X block. That's the only time you ever want to drill through an X block. But, uh, oh yeah, and I should also point, you can drill in any of four directions, up, left, down, right. Of course, watch above you, make sure nothing falls on you. And if something's about to fall on you, run the hell away, drill your, yourself away if you have to. And another thing, if four or more blocks of any color fall together and land together, they will disappear freeing up the space, and of course, anything that they were supporting will fall down. And by the way, you can fall down as far as you want without any kind of injury. That also goes for the X blocks, too. If uh, four or more X blocks fall, then they will disappear and cause anything else to fall that they were supporting. That's actually something you want to try, is to make the X blocks disappear, especially if you're trying to get to a um, error pellet. And uh, really, that's uh, the gameplay in general. There aren't really any enemies. The only real enemy you have is just time, honestly. Because you don't want to run out of air. The end, of course, the blocks. Just stay away from the blocks. Just pop them and don't let them fall on you. And uh, at the beginning of the game, you get to select from two options. I think the first, the easy option on the American cabinet is 2,500 feet and the regular option is 5,000. Uh, I think on the Japanese version, the easy option is 500 meters, and the hard option is 1,000 meters. So there's a difference. Oh, another difference between the two, of course, is in the Japanese version, there's a lot of Japanese text, but interestingly, there's also a lot of English text. Like, some of it is English, some of it is Japanese, but it's still very playable if you don't speak either of those languages. So, oh, and uh, some observations I want to make here. For one thing, um, this game has stereo sound. And what's really interesting about how they uh, use it, I think it's when Susumo Hori collects an air pellet. He says something, but it's in Japanese. I don't know. Or, or maybe he doesn't really say anything. Could be gibberish. I don't know what it is. But something comes from him. If he's on the left side of the screen, you'll hear it on the left speaker. And if he's on the right side, you'll hear it on the right speaker. I thought that was an interesting little detail they kind of snuck in there. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't know if you noticed this there, Jim, but at least in the first few rounds, like the first few groups of uh, 500 meters, there's some pretty dark stuff going on. I didn't notice that. Yeah, because at the very beginning of the game, for example, right above the well, there's a scene... There's a, there's a picture of two cars and a trolley mm -hmm. in an urban intersection, obviously after a pretty serious accident. Oh, wow. Cars are all smashed to pieces. The trolley is tipped over and everything. And then the next group of uh, 500, there appears to be a derailed train or a crashed bus or something at the very huh. top of the screen. And then I the did next, not notice this. Yeah, and then the next round... There's like an old-timey car crashing into a house at the top of the screen. And then after that, the next round, there's some kind of indoor disaster happening. I can't quite tell what it is. It looks like there's an outdoor-style mailbox in there. Mm -hmm. It could be a hammer or something. 
But it just, the first four rounds, if you will, have some pretty dark introductory scenes. <laughs> it's, yeah. And then after that, it's a little bit more happy. I think it's like aquatic animals playing in the water or something. Oh, happy. But that's it. Oh, and uh, I know that we have mentioned this in previous episodes, but uh, Namco, who is the um, company who brought us Mr. Driller, as I said uh, a little bit ago, I don't remember what the term is. It's a Japanese term, but it's basically a numeric representation of the name Namco. And in many Namco games, it shows up as a score. Hmm. And that's 7,650. We see kind of that pop up here and there. I don't know how to trigger it, but I've noticed that uh, using certain, I I don't know. uh, Usually I think it's when there is a chain reaction of blocks falling uh, because four or more got together. Sometimes you'll see that the number 765 appear. And while I'm talking about that, I might as well talk about the scoring. The scoring in this game is surprisingly simple. Every block you make disappear, whether it be because they fell on each other and disappeared in groups of four or more, or because you drilled them away, and whether it's a regular bright colored block or a X block, 10 points. 10 points for each block that disappears. The air pellets start at 100 points, and for every air pellet you collect after that throughout the game, you get 100 more points. So as you progress, you're going to see scores of several thousand every time you pick up an air pellet. So that's another reason you want to pick up the air pellets is they will help your score tremendously. And um, I think by completing a set that is 500 feet in the American version, 100 meters in the Japanese version, when you finish the set, you have to drill into the next set. You just hit the drill button and the floor explodes out from under you and then you land on the next round, really. Doing that, I think you get something like 690 points or 670 or something. I don't recall and, uh, because I did not prepare my research properly. I did not write it down, but it's somewhere in the 600 area. There are also bonus points awarded if you finish the game. There is a time bonus. I think there's also a bonus for how many blocks you knock away. Like if you destroy a certain percentage of blocks, uh, then... You get it. You get a certain bonus of some kind, and the game comes to an end one way or the other. Either you lose all your lives, or you finish all of the rounds. Really, once you finish the rounds, game over. So yeah, that there is Mr. Driller. And by the way, you might remember those of you listening. Uh, Jimmy G was talking about Taizo Hori, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about Susumo Hori. Susumo Hori. Are they related? Oh, yes, indeed, they are. Susumo Hori, I believe, is Taizo Hori's son. Which I was looking uh, at the Wikipedia page for Mr. Driller while you were talking, and indeed. it had a link to a game called Dig Dug Digging Strike, which is a Nintendo DS game. And I kind of like, uh, well, let, let me just read this here. Uh, <clears throat> Let's see. Dig Dug Digging Strike is a maze video game that combines elements from the first two games in the series, Dig Dug and Dig Dug 2. Its plot follows series protagonist Taizo Hori 
bitter about his son Susumu getting the att- more attention than him. <laughs> <laughs> so remember, uh, Taizo Hori uh, was the first video game character to have ever been divorced. His wife, uh, ex-wife, is in another game, which I don't recall off That's the top right, of my head. Yeah. And this is their son. This is a, a real uh, dysfunctional family here. It is true. Uh, Susumo Hori got more attention than Taizo Hori did because Mr. Driller was the first of an entire series of Driller games. Huge series of games. Yeah, there was. Oh, let's see what what did they have? There was. Um, uh, I think there was. There was Mr. Driller Two. Um, there was Mr. Driller G. Was Mr. Driller Two an arcade game? I think it was. It was. Uh, on, I there, believe it was. On, it was. Uh, Mr. Driller G was uh, was definitely an arcade game. I know that for a fact. Uh, there was Mr. Driller A, which was on the Game Boy Advance. There was uh, Mr. Driller Drill Land on the Nintendo GameCube. There was Mr. Drill Drill Spirits for the Nintendo DS. Mr. Driller Aqua, which was on uh, mobile phones in Japan. Oh, uh, real quick. Dig Dug's Taizo Hori's ex-wife is named Masuyo Tobi uh, from the uh, arcade game Baraduke. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of the name. Toby Masuyo, if you spell Toby, T-O-B-I, that translates into English as I will fly. Ah, which I think you do that in Baraduke. Huh, fascinating. Okay. So uh, anyway, where where was I? Um, so yeah, the sequels. Um, A courtesy to speak English. Uh, there was uh, Mr. Driller online for the Xbox. There was Mr. Driller W and Mr. Driller Drill Till You Drop in 2009. And uh, these were not all arcade games. A lot of these, in fact, were like phone games and uh, console games. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention about Dig Dug 2, and it's actually in my notes here. There was a PC version of it titled Dig Dug Island. It was released in 2008 only in Japan. It was a basically Dig Dug 2, but it was multiplayer online. But sadly, the servers were only up for for a full year. That would have been kind of fun hmm. to do because to see because uh, there was uh, the talk a while back that there was a uh, a Pango multiplayer like that, which I think would be hmm. a lot of fun too. Oh yeah. But yeah, so sadly, uh, Dig Dug Island is can't play it anymore. Huh. Which I hate these games that require a server. Well, yeah, yeah. Because once the server gets shut off, that's all there is. Yep. Yep. It's. Yeah, digital preservation is a moot point with those kind of things. Yep. But yeah, the, uh, Mr. Driller, though, massively popular. Uh, it was uh, ported to uh, other platforms such as the Sony PlayStation, uh, Windows, Game Boy Color, <laughs> the uh, Dreamcast. Uh, there's some uh, mobile phone versions of it. There's a Game Boy Color and the Wonder Swan, which was a Bandai handheld console which bandai of course eventually merged with with, uh, namco namco yeah so yeah insanely popular and um despite its popularity neither twin galaxies nor orcade.com have high scores listed for it including twin galaxies's mame track believe it or not huh so that's interesting. And the thing is, I have never seen or played a Mr. Driller arcade cabinet ever, ever. I've only played it in MAME. I want to think I've seen a cabinet, but I've never played it. I have played this in MAME, though. I've discovered oh, yeah. this game a couple of years ago, and uh, I enjoy the heck out of this game. You got me addicted to it yeah. because we played Mr. Driller G at Galloping Ghost. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's that right. Was gonna, we did. Yes. Yeah, that was going to be my big reveal because I didn't realize literally until today that what I was playing at the Ghost was not Mr. Driller. It was Mr. Driller G. What up, G? And what really bugs me is that, at least on my setup, the only Mr. Driller games that I can run on MAME, I don't know if I need to upgrade my MAME or find a different set of ROMs, I can only play the American and Japanese versions of the original Mr. Driller. None of the other Mr. Driller games will work. I would love to try the other ones. Hmm, I wonder. Let me uh, look here at something. And while you're looking, oh, I'm gonna... I only have Mr. Driller. I don't have Mr. Driller 2 or G. Huh. But anywho, um, another thing that I just wanted to mention was, I'm just going to go straight to my rating. Okay. I'm rating Mr. Driller 4 continues because right. it is so addicting and all this. And I was almost ready to rate it a 3 mm-hmm. because when I first started playing this game, it was the easy mode that only goes up to, what did I say, 2,500 feet on the American version? Yeah. And I managed to get through it and finish it. And I was like, wait a minute, you're, you're kidding me. I, this short game and it's done already? Mm-hmm. I mean, just repeat it or something. Don't make me end my fun. And that really ticked me off. But the thing is, the assumed default is the regular game that goes up to 5,000 feet. That made me solidify my four, actually. Because, man, I've been playing it for a couple of months now, trying trying and trying to get all the way to the end. I cannot do it. Even after going into service mode and tweaking the game so that it's in uh, the game's internal easy mode and with the number of lives set to uh, four or five, actually. Uh, By default, it's at three. I set it to five. I still cannot get past (laughs) about 4,600 feet at best, even if I use save states. It's that challenging. Yeah, this this uh, this game can be tough. Uh, I know one of the criticisms of the Mr. Driller series is that it is kind of short, but uh, I think one of the games has an endless pit, though. Uh, I don't remember which one that was, but I could have sworn I saw that on one of them, uh, where the game just doesn't end after we reach, you know, so... Uh, so. So I don't deep. think it's Mr. Driller G because I do remember in that game you also have to select. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really like this game a lot too. Uh, I was originally going to rate it a five, but I think I'm going to rate it a four. Yeah, you went up one, I went down one. No real reason uh, other than just the you know the length of the game hmm. for the most part. But is, not this long is a, enough this or is not short enough? Not long enough. Okay, I get uh, that complaint a lot too. Whoa, you need some help. They make pills for that. Ha, 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 ha. What, for not talking enough? Well, I, why, what did you think why, I was talking why yes. about? Why, what, why, what, else, what else could I have possibly been talking about? Come on. We'll discuss that off air. <laughs> we got we to gotta stay on topic. Yes, and, we do. And the topic here is uh, Mr. Driller and uh, Dig Dug 2 Electric Boogaloo. So, yes, I, I think a four is uh, just where the, what this game needs. What it deserves. And... Uh, yeah, I'll, I come back to this one yeah, frequently, actually, in MAME. The only thing with, with both of these games is if you're setting it up, if you're going to use, like, a, a Bluetooth controller, you know, handheld controller, make sure you don't use the analog stick. I cannot stress hmm. that enough. Map it to the D-pad. So hmm. map it to the D-pad. You get much better control that way. Uh, indeed. Huh. Hold on uh, one second. got to step away from the mic. I have to visit the Tinkle Pit. Ah. 
So that's the story about the turd penis. Okay. So. Sorry about that. My uncle came by for an emergency visit. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had to get something out. Oh. So. Oh. Anyway. Did you wash your hands? I washed my hands. Good, good. So anyway, um, well, that's we talked about what we had to talk about, right? Was there anything yes. further to say about uh, Mr. Driller? There is nothing more to say. Yeah, other than it was a massive success, had a crap ton of sequels, and it's on a crap ton of uh, platforms. I have not seen any of those games, at least uh, for iOS, which slightly disappoints me. But what are you going to do, huh? Uh, by the way, Jimmy G, uh, what was the theme for this episode? Ah, uh, these are games with a connection to the original Dig Dug. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. One actually has the name Dig Dug in it. it. It indeed does. Yep. Not like we haven't done similar theme before. Yeah. So I think before we reveal what we're going to talk about for the next episode, episode 130, uh, there are some people we have to thank. Well, then let's thank them. And those people are Rory Charles Coleman, Keith Sheehan, Lance Endries, Retro Game Club Podcast, Christian Williams, the SNES Podcast, Timmy Mack, Richard Grounds, Mike Hat NJ, Daniel Chavez, Nate Lockhart. Ooh, there's a new memory machine out, by the way. Oh, and I listened to it. It was very interesting. It was it, about it the it Apple II. It really II. was. I really don't care about the Apple II, but he and, he and his friend made it sound fascinating. I forgot the guy's name. I'm so sorry. I like the Apple II. It's what I learned uh, learned computers on, and I just thought it fascinating. I mean, yeah, we had that in school, but, you know, anyway. Uh, also, thank you to PJ Steele, New Balance Stores Phoenix. Oh, I might have to get a new pair of New Balances, by the way. Uh, Richard Valdez, Air Shack, thank you. Mark Super, thank you. Art Guglielmo, Underground Retrocade, Kevin Bean, thank all of you. Atari Bytes, Kurt Musgrave, and, of course, D. Alex, thank you all so much. And here's especially why I personally want to thank all these people. Uh, the money that these guys, um, at least I think they're all guys, uh, the ones that I've met in person are certainly guys, as far as I can tell. <laughs> but um, everybody who gave us money for this podcast uh, last month, the payout went to Doctors Without Borders to aid in the situation in Ukraine. And uh we just we're I, I think we might want to do that again, by the way. Yes, I so, think so uh, too. And, so yeah, uh, we, and uh, we kicked in some of our own fundage as well to uh, And if uh, people are wondering why I'm not on Facebook, I posted on Facebook uh f- Putin in the ass with a chainsaw. And I got banned for thirty days uh a week, maybe two weeks after I posted that. So All right, anyway. Yes. So in case people are wondering Thank you all so much. Uh, and we hope that uh uh, what we sent over will be of uh, some help at least. Um, so, uh, Jimmy G, what are we going to be doing for now? Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, when we get to like multiples of 10 and 25 and things, we try to do kind of special episodes when we have the uh, the wherewithal to think about it. Is that the case for this coming episode 130? Maybe. Oh, really? Do tell. Uh, we're going to talk about Pong. Yeah, just Pong. Yeah, just Pong. Nothing so else there's not going to be a theme, really, because no. you can't theme just one thing. I mean, there's a lot of history to Pong. There are a lot of Pong oh, yeah. variants, and there's a lot to tell about Pong. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Pong. Pong. From uh, Atari, I believe. From Atari, yeah. Yeah, 1972, I think. Something in that neighborhood. Happy anniversary, Pong. Yeah, that would be this year, wouldn't it? Wow, 50th anniversary. 
That's amazing. Good timing there, Jimmy G. Very good timing. It was intentional. Yeah, it was. Sure. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening again. Uh, Once again, um, from uh, wherever the hell I am, this is Jimmy G. (laughs) And from wherever the hell I am, this is Sean. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Zinc. Yeah, support your local arcade. Bye-bye! What he said. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. Pie Factory Podcast is a member of the Fab Four IT Podcast Network. Four blocks of, if four or more, take 84. I I can't even say take 84 right. Dang. (laughs) Take 85. We'll do it live.